Hello, and welcome to episode number 162 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, and we are going to talk nothing but Masters. It is the Masters Megapod here with Brett Colson, with Steven Anders, and the triumphant return of one Brad Allen to the podcast as well. He does not just know NFL. He is a great golf better as well. Brad, gr- glad to have you back, buddy. And uh, how excited are you for the tournament here? I am very excited for the tournament. Um, I even took a break from grinding some baseball and, and writing about New York sports betting to uh, to dig, <laughs> dig into some numbers this weekend. So, yeah, I'm excited. Brett, um, we are looking here where we were talking a little bit before we get going, and it looks like you and I will uh, will have a differing opinion on what will make for a good week this week, and so uh, it sh- should be fun talking this through. Yeah, there will be some side bets this week, I think. Based on what we talked about before the podcast started, I think we're gonna, you and I are going to have some wagers. Yeah, feeling pretty good about this. And uh, Stephen, your first uh, your first Masters pod with us here. I know you are a big golf guy as well, big golf better. So uh, have you identified what you believe to be some value for our listeners out there? Absolutely. In fact, somehow a 100 to one shot is second in my model this week. Oh, that's a tease. We, it's a tease. That's what we do in the business. That's called a tease. Hang out. Listen to what is uh, where the 100 to 1 is going to come in. Um, it's a good place to start, though. I mean, if we look at the past winners here and uh, at the tournament, and we're going to talk about the odds, of course, but if we look at this, I mean, you, you bring up a 100 to 1 guy. We did have a 100 to 1 guy win in 2011. Uh, Charles Schwartzel won at 100 to 1 in 2011. That's really the last kind of big, huge bomb to win uh 2012 was Bubba at 30 Adam Scott was at 25 Bubba again in 2014 at 20 Jordan Spieth at 10 in 2015 now Danny Willett would be the other that could be considered kind of a bomb there at 50 to 1 in 2016 Sergio at 30 in 2017 Patrick Reed at 40 Tiger Woods at 12 and then Dustin Johnson was the chalk uh just a few months ago at 8 to 1 whenever he took it down um we're going to be seeing here at Augusta National guys uh, 89 players top 50 in ties and of course that within 10 of the leader thing as well all make the cut uh, 7,475 yards playing at a 72 par bent grass greens it's going to be water uh, especially on the back nine that can make this thing pretty interesting um, 11 12 13 15 16 all have water so as we are coming down to the wire here on Sunday guys are going to have to avoid the water we could see some drama with that a little bit and speaking of avoiding the water looking at the weather report does look like there has there is a chance for some rain on Saturday and so um, just something to keep in mind maybe the course is softened up just a little bit on Sunday but again uh, still we are still several days out from that and uh, we're not weathermen so just a disclaimer but at least it does look like there could be a little bit of rain going on there on Saturday. Um, Brad, I'm going to start with you here. What are some things uh, heading into this tournament? Of course, we know that uh, Tiger is out, but any other news and notes on uh, the golfers in the field? Yeah, one player we were wondering about coming in was John John Roth. There was, I mean, his his wife was pregnant. They're, they kind of lined up with the Masters when she was going to have the child, but as it turned out, she had uh, the child over the weekend, so John Rahm will be in the field this week and one of the favorites of course uh tiger woods as you said is out the other two were kind of worried or wondering about brooks kepka dealing with an injury 
uh, he looks like he will play, and Justin Rose as well looks like he will be in the field. How they are feeling is up for speculation. I don't know, but uh, that's what we know as of Monday morning where we are with those guys. So uh, no one uh, no one has won on their first appearance here, guys, since 1979. Fuzzy Zeller did win in his very first appearance. So as we kind of start going through the field and start talking about the different golfers, uh, no back-to-back winner since Tiger in 2001-2002. So as we are making our way through golfers here, Brad, um, you know, Listen, Dustin Johnson, play if he plays his A game, we understand very best golfer in the world, despite being, you know, what feels like an old man at 36 years old, uh, all these kids that are playing so great on the on the tour right now. Um, just starting with with him at the very top um, with the with there being no back to back winner here in, you know, 20 years. Uh, is it something that you're looking to avoid with Dustin Johnson? Is Dustin Johnson a fade right off the top for you? Um, he is a fade. It's to me, it's more about his form. It's not quite what it was the last time, you know, he came in here last time, I think mm-hmm. by off three top fives in a row or something. And it, and he's not been showing that same form recently. Um, and then, you know, just given, given his price as well. Um, I, I don't think he's got the form to back up that, that short price. And, you know, give, given the quality of the field, you know, literally the, every single of the best player in the world here, basically, um, I'm kind of looking for reasons not to bet people around the top rather than, back them and I think Dustin's got right. enough 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 current form questions to to pass him. Stephen, um, one of the things I didn't mention when I was talking about the the course and kind of the course breakdown here, of course, we know that the greens, uh, when when I say that they're bent grass greens, that's not really doing these greens justice either. They're all kinds of crazy greens. They're going to be moving all over the place. If you've ever watched a Masters before, you know how hard it is for these guys to putt at this place. And another reason for that is they don't allow the green reading books here either. And so with that, did you did what did you do with putting basically when you were kind of starting to put things together here with this course. I mean, I think there's different ways to look at this with the no green with the no uh, no green reading book allowed. Is it do you emphasize putting more or do you emphasize putting less because of the, the way that these guys are usually playing these courses? Much, much less for me. I mean, putting mm-hmm. is the most varying statistic when you're trying to project for a golf tournament anyway. So combine that with I think Jack Nicholas said it best about the Masters. This is a second shot tournament. This is a Augusta National is a second shot course. So, I mean, if you look at the statistical trends over the past decade, four of the last six winners led the field that week in strokes gained on approach. Um, The par fives in November literally were the four easiest holes on course in terms of average score. Uh, They were the only holes that had an average score under par. So every champion in history has played the par fives under par. Um, and, you know, strokes gained around the green. You have to have a really sharp short game here. That's how, that's how we saw a guy like Patrick Reed win the Masters. 11 of the last 12 winners finished top 10 for the week in scrambling. So um, if there's one course that we saw this season since the restart that I think there's maybe some similarities to Augusta National with the way the green complexes are set up and how much of an emphasis there is on second shots, I almost want to say the World Golf Championship at the concession. It was the first time they played there, and it wasn't just about hitting greens. It was about where on the greens you needed to hit them. And I think there is a lot of similarities with Augusta National in that regard. 
Brett, this is a great lead in here to, you know, we, we heard what Steven said as far as stats that he was looking at for this stats that were important to him. I know you and I both build uh, models leading into golf tournaments. What stats did you emphasize this week? What stats were uh, he- weighted heavily and just which ones did you use in general? Yeah, the tricky thing about model building for the Bastards is that everything matters. So allocation mm-hmm. between various key stats is difficult you can get yourself stuck in doing a lot of tinkering with your model so i've gotten away from the very specific uh, specific stats and, and use more of a strokes gained uh model that encompasses a lot of stats into one number we know distance matters mm-hmm. six ma- six masters winners since 2010 were in the top five or six in driving distance for the week hitting the ball far is the most predictive thing we can look at every week. So that's a great place to start at Augusta. It matters so much. You can get away with a lot more off the tee at Augusta if you miss your target. So that's that's where I start. That's where I'm most heavily witty because we know who hits the ball far. That's really, like I said, the most predictive thing you can take into the week. The other thing I look at is par fives. Uh, Steven mentioned par fives. Uh, the four par fives at, at Augusta play is the easiest holes on the course on average. Uh, they're also the only four holes that play under par overall. Uh, so I especially like to look at par five scoring uh, and par five scoring at Augusta. You know, who has attacked these par fives in the past? Who knows how to do it? Who's had success doing that in the past? So those are those are two of the things I look at. But really just, you know, strokes gain total, I think, is a really good one to look at. Who, who just who are the who are the best golfers is, is, right. is really the best way to, to go into this tournament. Hole number two, a 575-yard par five. As you mentioned, uh, all the par fives play under par. uh, Surrenders eagle 1.5% of the time, but birdies at 37% of the time. Then you get down to hole number eight. Um, It is, again, plays under par. Eagles, not so much, uh, not even 1% of the time, but again, 32% of the time you're getting a birdie on this hole. We head to the back nine. Uh, hole number 13, 510 yard par five, the easiest hole, uh, easiest hole on the entire course. You're getting Eagle 3.3% of the time. You're getting birdie 40% of the time on hole 13. And then finally hole 15 plays as the uh, third to easiest hole, 530 yard par five Eagle 2.8% of the time birdie. 39% of the time. So again, going out there and taking advantage of these par fives is certainly up there. Brad, uh, what were the statistics that as you started to narrow the field down that you were really, uh, that you were heavily emphasizing? Yeah, it was, it was very similar to, to Brett. Um, basically just downweight driving accuracy or just get rid of it completely. And then it looked like according to, I think the data golf numbers that they put together on course fit, everything else matters more. So driving distance, strokes gained approach, uh, putting and obviously cut that down to to bent grass, um, and then strokes gained around the green. So yeah, I mean, I uh, put them all in, put a little bit extra emphasis on on par five and driving distance. Um, yeah, and <laughs> that's what I went with. Yeah, I am. Uh, it, we're all on the same stuff then. So maybe interesting that that we are going to have some different opinions on this. But uh, yeah, I have driving distance. Um, I have approach. I have strokes gained par five, stroke gained around the green. I put a little, small, tiny little bit of emphasis on three putt avoidance because I want these people up there who are uh, with these tricky greens who are at least able to uh, to lag pretty well. And then I kind of doubled down just on the driving thing here um, with strokes gained off the tee. So I, I do have driving distance, and I also have strokes gained off the tee 
into the model on purpose um, to to kind of heavily skew uh, some of these results towards people who are better off the tee, who are longer off the tee. So, uh, but I have a pretty good emphasis on you know a par five and strokes gained par five because I I do believe that this is where you know a lot of these guys are going to have to go make their hay here in this tournament. And so uh, we're all on the same stuff here. So interesting to see uh, how we interpret at least those uh, statistics and how they play out with everything uh as far as the outrights here guys as we mentioned dustin johnson the short shot not not even uh 10 to 1 to win this thing nine and a half to one right now over at DraftKings. um it is a very 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 small price to pay i think uh, as brad was talking about a little bit earlier very small number for such an incredibly talented field. So I don't know if I'm going to be uh, getting any action going there. Bryson, 11 and a half to one. Spieth, this is the craziest one. Spieth, 11 and a half to one. He's 11 to one over on FanDuel. Um, Jordan Spieth, Brett, I mean, listen, he has been playing incredibly consistent. He has been playing some really good golf course coming off of a win here and everything but uh wow uh jordan spieth right up there with at these numbers that we are i mean that we typically try to avoid betting guys that you know in this 10 and 11 range and uh yeah jordan spieth's name's right there this dude was ranked just inside the top 100 in the world after the masters in november and now he's being priced as either the number one or number two player in the field this week. And look, I'm, I'm excited for Jordan. I think the sport is better when he's playing well, but I, I cannot justify this price on him. You're buying at the absolute peak of his price range if you want Jordan Speed this yeah. week. And therein lies yeah. the problem, right? It's like yeah. it's 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 like you could love everything about him, but you could have made this bet a week ago and gotten over 20 to one, you know, like gotten right at 20 to one or something. So it's just it, it's a tough pill to swallow anyway. And you can look at all the course history and all of his of all of his success at Augusta, and it's there. You can't deny it. But mm-hmm. this this is all about price, and it does not line up against some of these other superstars in golf, the DJs. And I mean, he's right there with DJ and Rom and JT. And on Sunday night, Spieth was plus eight fifty, the favorite at William Hill to win this tournament. <laughs> you got guys like Rory. Rory was plus seventeen hundred, plus nineteen hundred. That's two X. Jordan Spieth, what, what happened? This, this happened so quickly. And that, that to me is just a huge red flag if you're trying to find value on a golfer. So I, I'm on a full Spieth fade as of right now in betting markets. I don't, I know I haven't placed any bets on Spieth. Yeah. Uh, I know somebody on this podcast has, but I, I have not, I have no action on Spieth. That is a, um, and that's kind of the tier here, right? So it's, it's DJ Bryson, Spieth, Rom, JT. You're finding all those guys about 12 and a half or, or, or shorter. And then it kind of hits that next tier, which is Rory, Cantlay, Xander, Kepka, that falls kind of in a, a 19, 18 to uh, just under 30. And then we hit the next tier, which is Morikawa, Berger, Casey, Finau, Hovland, Reed, Simpson, Smith, Fitzpatrick, all of those guys falling kind of mid 30s to right at 40. Um Steven, let's just start here, you know, at the uh, at the top of the board. Any of the guys here with, you know, a smaller number pique your interest um, at all? Well, so much of the Masters outright betting for me is identifying guys early. It's it's the it's these majors mm-hmm. are the ones where you can look at an outright market months in advance and see if you can find some value and kind of tail a guy getting hot. So you know, Brett kind of uh, t- 
teased it there, but I'm the guy on this podcast with a Jordan Spieth ticket. Mm-hmm. But I got him at 45 to one in February, right when he started playing a little better at the waste yep. management. So obviously at that number, it's fantastic and it's only gotten better. And the 11 to one you mentioned is actually a bargain at some books now. I've seen him at eight to one at some books as of this morning on Monday morning. It's absolutely insane what has happened. But this is the one tournament I think we should also acknowledge that, you know, he has played extremely well at. He has a green jacket. He has, you know, just been phenomenal at Augusta. He has four top five finishes here. And if you look at his overall numbers for the season, if you look at since the restart, through the end of January, he missed four of seven cuts and didn't have a single top 40. But his last seven starts, he made all seven cuts, five top tens, three top fives, and then the win on Sunday at the Valero Texas Open. So I think we do at least need to acknowledge that, yes, the odds have gone off the rails, but this is the course that he has Mm -hmm. consistently played his best at. Brad, if we look at these, uh, as we look at these guys, let's call it, you know, let's call it 25 ish, 26 ish to one and shorter. Uh, have any of these guys made your your bet card yet? I have bet one of them, which is Mr. Patrick Cantley. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if we, I'll just go through and quickly with just my thoughts. So DJ, I thought a bit too short. Bryson, you know, there's always the threat he could take the course apart. But I, I do think the, the green book stuff, you know, not having his green book to work out his angles, I, th- I do think that's quite a real drawback for him. Like John Rahm was on a podcast this week saying, you know, he, he loves he loves not having his green book. It's all about sort of, I think he put it art, you know, it's just feeling it and that yeah. sort of thing, which is not Bryson at all. So I, I do think that's a little drawback. Spieth, you, you can't back him at 11 to 1, that's nuts. JT, I mean, again, he's another one who could go Bryson and go nuts on the field but he's he's putted badly around here before as well um when when woods won it was 84th out of 87 in putting um and you know i think with the augusta greens they are you know they're, they're a bit more predictable than some greens if you know what i mean like if you can putt well on these slick mm. quick crazy tiers then you know you can putt well again so that was a concern for me um so i got got down to cantlay so he's got great great course history here um couple of top tens um and then the match play recently he actually led the field in strokes gained in the first two rounds and then actually got knocked out in a playoff so you know it didn't look like he played well but i think the actual underlying stats said he did um and then so as i said in the course fit uh model i put together he came in third there you know he's he's good off the tee he's good everywhere essentially and then he was also fifth in putting on these bent grass greens so as I, as I saw, he's got good course history, he's a good course fit, and he's got good recent form. Um, and I thought there was a little bit of juice around kind of 23, 22 to 1. Yeah, I, it, I think that he's taken a little bit of action um, here recently because I was seeing the, about the same number as you. It looks like it's predominantly about 20 right now, 20 at MGM and FanDuel and a little bit over that at uh, at DraftKings. Brett, I know this is typically not the tier you like to play. I know that you are more, you you certainly like to almost start your betting card with the guys in the middle tier and then go from there. But uh, any of these guys have you, um, you know, at least wanting to throw a little bit on them this week? 
I mean, that applies at non-majors. At majors, you you kind of have to start at the top because how many how many of these players in this field can actually win this tournament? Not not very many. Uh, so yeah, I, I do have a guy I like in this tier though, and that's Rory. Um, so I, I have to ask you guys first of all. I mean, I, I can get him at nineteen to one at my local book right now. Mm-hmm. Do you think public money, just looking at the field right now, with the, especially with Spieth, uh, a lot of pu- public money is going to come on Spieth. Is Rory going to go? Is is his price going to go up or down? As, as the week goes on, should I bet him now or wait until he's later still a name week? brand guy? You yeah. know, uh, he, he's still a name brand guy. And typically, you know, I think the the casual better that we know we're going to get for the for the Masters, which we typically don't get in golf, just in general. I think they're going to bet the guys they know. Um, so my uh, my gut says that 19 here on a Monday is probably the best number you're going to get on him. But uh, I don't know. Maybe people maybe people will do a little bit more research and, and figure out they hadn't been playing all that well. Yeah, he hasn't been playing well. No doubt about it. Some, but sometimes you have to overlook recent form and just mm-hmm. bet the number. Why did we bet JT at the players? Because the number was too high and he was he wasn't playing well. And, mm-hmm. and what did we say every week last year when DJ was in his slump? Like bet him every week. Bet DJ, bet DJ, because eventually he's going to turn it around. The talent is too immense. And that's how I feel where we are with Rory right now. When have we ever been able to get Rory at this price? So, I mean, I, I can get him in 1900. Mm-hmm. I probably will. I'll just bet him in 1900 today. And because he's why? Because he's he's why is he at this price? He's been atrocious putting this year. I mean, that's really been the biggest problem for him. So I, I, I see this as a great buy spot on Rory. He was awesome at this tournament in November, especially if you throw out that round on Thursday. Finished fifth after shooting a 75 on, on Thursday. I think he's going to be super motivated to close out. I mean, he, he's, this is the last major he hasn't won yet. And if you want to talk narratives, Rory has complained about the lack of crowds and the lack of excitement at events during the pandemic. He's, you know, he's struggled over the past year, no doubt about it. But there will be crowds, albeit limited at Augusta this week. And if you believe that Rory feeds off that atmosphere like I do, there's just another reason to buy him at this price. I, I just, I think Rory at 1900 to win the, and with win the Masters is, is way too high. And, and Spieth's, uh, Spieth's resurgence has only helped that price go up. So I think this is a great spot for Rory. Yeah, uh, Rory, if you're, but we were talking about his struggles here, has not won an event since 2018. Um, but in... As as bad as he has been, you know, you look and you know, I, I say bad in air quotes, as bad as he has been, there are still top 10 finishes, you know, in, in that are sprinkled in there over the last little bit as well. And so it was just something that was keeping him out of the, the winner's circle. But he was, you know, he was sniffing it. He was at least had a chance to get there. And so, um, listen, I'm, I don't I'm not going to blame you for betting him at a number. I'm actually on a full fade of Rory this week, so you and I will be on uh, on the opposite. I'm I'm betting against him in every head-to-head that I can bet against him. Um, I am I'm try I'll get against him in groupings. I'll get against him every single way that I can. I don't like when a guy. I mean, one of the things with Justin Thomas, like you know, we kind of knew what was going on with him. You know, he had the off the course stuff with his grandfather dying, with him, you know saying the stuff and getting dropped by his sponsors and all the different things like that. I mean, it was easy to point to what was going on with him as being more a mental thing than a physical thing. And the problem with Rory for me is it's a physical thing because he is talking about how he can't find a swing for four rounds in a row. And, um, you know, that's not going to cut it here in my opinion. So that's why I'm, uh, 
I'm on the fade here, Stephen. You know, Rory at 20. Now we move into kind of that middle tier here. Uh, quick thoughts on Rory, and then anybody as we move into that middle tier that kind of jumps off the page to you. Yeah, just the one thing I'll note on Rory, and I understand the argument with the number, but Matt, I'm with you that you know he's self-admittedly said he can't find a swing. He's not striking the ball well. And one thing to note with him and anybody else that's interested in live betting this event, since 1998, only Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods have won the Masters after finishing the first round outside the top 10. So just beware if you're looking to live bet an outright on a guy who isn't inside the top 10 after the first round. Uh, this middle tier, there is a guy that I'm playing at a number. Uh, it's Webb Simpson. Uh, I have him closer to around 20 to 1. Uh, you can still get him at, at 40 to 1 right now. Um, you know, I, I, I like his form. I like um, the fact that he played well at concession. Uh, he's obviously always a threat to get hot with the putter. Um, so that's just a number for me that I'm going after. A um, couple other guys I bet well before this week. Uh, Colin Morikawa at 30 to 1. And I think you could still find that out there at a couple spots potentially. Um, first in the world at, at strokes gained on approach. We know that he just, you know, is so pure with his irons and that at Augusta is so important. Um, if he can get the putter working this week, I like that. Um, so, so that's kind of who I'm looking at in this middle tier. I do agree with Brad that Cantlay is a huge threat this week in that middle tier. Uh, but, you know, I've had a lot of success betting Colin Morikawa in outrights, both at concession and at the PGA Championship. And with the way Augusta sets up for for ball striking and iron play, I have no reason to get off him at 30 to one this week. Yeah, you can actually find him 31 and a half over at DraftKings right now. So uh, plus 3150 on Morikawa. Uh, I have a ticket on Morikawa as well. So I only had two tickets uh, that I made far in advance. I have a uh, Morikawa about 42 to one, I believe. And then I have a Victor Hovland uh, a little over 50 to one. And so I was able to get on those pretty early. Uh, Vic Hovland, another guy that's fallen right here in this kind of middle-ish tier. Um, Brett, this is a guy you and I have bet multiple times. We really enjoy, you know, watching him play, really like his game. Uh, Wood feels like he should have a couple of wins already this year if it weren't for, you know, a couple of disaster holes here and there. Um, it's 35 to one on Hovland right now. Um, if you take a look at, you know, the models that I run whenever I run, you know, the stuff that I talked about that I was I thought was important. I ran 36 round model, ran a 24 round model, ran a 12 round model. Uh, Vic Hovland's in inside the top 20 in every single iteration of these models that I'm running, everything that I'm looking for that I find to be important. Uh, it seems like it's only a matter of time for him. But uh, again, young dude. Yeah, he was a guy I was trying to get money on for the Masters last year, and he didn't even qualify for it. So I'm, I'm definitely back on him uh, this time around. He's just so talented. And I think there are, there are several young kids in this tournament, and Morikawa is one of them, where it's like you want to get in before they win their first one. And I think this is a really good spot for Hovland. To, he's, he's as talented, especially... Uh, well, he's, just, he's as talented as, as some of these guys at the top. Mm. He's just He hasn't won... He hasn't won yet. He's not the, he's not, he doesn't have the name recognition with the casual better yet. So probably some some built in value on Holland. Yeah, I mean, I don't 
I'm not really worried about the fact that he missed the cut at the players. Uh, I mean, you know, no. players miss cuts. I mean, like, it's just uh, golfers miss cuts. It's very hard to be incredibly consistent every single week. And so, uh, you know, golfers miss cuts. It doesn't really matter to me at all. Um, Brad, I want to get your your thoughts here on on Kepka. And because here's the thing, if he's going to play, um, we can only assume he's healthy. I mean, like it's the guy has sat out a lot of tournaments before. If he's going to play, we can only assume he's healthy. We understand what Brooks Kepka can do on a golf course if he if he kind of gets rolling a little bit. Um, you're getting Brooks Kepka in a field of only 89 golfers at nearly 30 to one. Are you too worried about the fact that he has recently, you know, sat out of tournaments due to health? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't back him myself. I mean, I th- he was he was out in the press this week going, oh, you know, I, I feel I can win. I wouldn't go if I didn't think I could win. Um, but, you know, he, he's had this knee injury for, you know, weeks, months now. He's not been practicing properly. You know, I know he likes to claim that he doesn't practice and doesn't really try hard, but <laughs> that, that feels like quite a big negative for me that he's, you know, all, you know, also if he's had this knee injury, you know, golfers adjust their swing. They're, they're not playing naturally. I, I, I can't trust that he's going to rock up and beat like all of the best golfers in the world. So, yeah, I, I won't be betting him. He's such a troll, though. I don't know what to take from anything Brooks. Brooks it says. would not surprise me if he went out here and won this thing by three strokes. Like, I, like that would not shock me in the least bit. He could be fully healthy and just like yeah. taking just resting before the Masters. I that I wouldn't put it past him. So it's it's he's really hard to handicap because he yeah. he could yeah I'm with you. He could definitely win this tournament. I would not be shocked over the last I, I, over the last. That's why it's hard for me to like. I I'll, I'll probably won't have any head to head action for or against him because I just don't have I just don't have any idea what's going on. Yeah, sorry about that, Matt, but. Over the last 24 rounds, he's fourth in my model. But again, I mean, mm. how do you handicap the injury? And if we're talking about playing a number, this is a guy who was 12 to 1 in February when he won the waste management. And now you're getting double that. So, you know, how you just have to decide, every person has to decide how much are you handicapping the fact that he had some type of knee surgery a month ago. And that's hard. Right. To, that's hard to do. It's very hard. Yeah, very hard to factor in. Um, I'll put it this way. If somebody told me they had a ticket on on Brooks Kepka, I would not I would not blame them in the least bit. We've seen the guy win recently. Um, we've seen what he can do. And uh, like Brett said, he's kind of a troll. So I no idea. Like, you know, no idea how he's actually feeling and and what's going on here. So, guys, in this middle tier, I do have a couple of other questions of guys that, you know, these are names of people that have either played well, you know, this year and or name brand guys that, you know, are all that are going to be curious for people whenever they go. I mean, 35 to 1 right now on Daniel Berger. We know a guy that was just on an absolute heater not too long ago. Tony Finau, 35 to 1. We know the trials and tribulations of him trying to get into the winner's circle, but still a guy that keeps knocking on the door, knocking on the door, knocking on the door. And of course, Patrick Reed is sitting at 35 to 1 as well. Another guy that has had success, you know, and another guy that it doesn't really matter if he's necessarily playing well or not. Uh, can go out and just kind of turn it on, especially at a course like this. So, uh, Brett, I'll start with you. Like, Berger, Finau, Reed, you know, even, you know, Cameron Smith, like all these guys falling right in that 35 to 40 to 1 type range. 
Um, it's a pretty tricky. It's a pretty tricky tier right here with these guys. I think Reed's a guy you just bet because people don't like him and they don't want to bet him. I mean, you just nobody bets Patrick Reed, but he's he's such he's just so good around the green, and he's just such a solid golfer that yeah, he could win here again. Uh, so I I'm definitely gonna have a Reed ticket in, in this in this range. I think 30, 33 to one at DraftKings, you might be able to find better. Uh, Finau, I, the guy just I I don't know what to do with Finau. The guy can't close. I don't know. I don't I don't know. I mean, I guess like a top five, top 10 might be fine with him, but I can't, I can't bet this guy to win a golf tournament until I actually see it. Yeah. uh, Brad, what do we think about like that kind of tier right there with these golfers that I imagine are going to get some attention? Certainly some guys that, you know, like we mentioned, Daniel Berger was just absolutely lighting it up not too long ago uh, in the very, you know, very near future. Um, We're looking at, um, I mean, very near past to looking at Tony Finau, same deal. I mean, we were looking at this guy basically finishing inside the top five every single week. These are all guys you can get at 35 to one. But how much does it how much does it keep you off a guy like Finau that, you know, you can't seem to figure out a way to win a tournament? Is it is it do you bet Finau differently than than maybe just an outright bet? Maybe you bet him in one of these alternative markets because, uh, you know, you think he plays well, but you don't think he necessarily can get into the uh, victory circle. Yeah, I, I, Finau's the other guy I backed um, mm-hmm. after Cantlay. And I, I backed him on the exchange over here. And I, I'll possibly I'll lay it off, you know, if he if he gets in contention because I I have watched him try and close a lot of a lot of golf tournaments. And I, I do think he gets tight. I know a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, after that, was it Riviera where he was up against Max Homer and they're going, oh, he, he played superbly in the final round. He didn't choke. Well, you know, I, I watched him play those last few holes and it looked like choking to me. Um, so yeah, I, I would say I still expect him to go very well. Um, so I, either back him for a top ten, back him each way if you get eight places, or back him to lay mm-hmm. if you're doing it on the exchange. Um, so a couple of top tens here. Um, you know he's he's a plus putter. That's that's often his um, often his Achilles heel, but he's a plus putter on this surface over the past hundred rounds. Um, so he's got the course history. He was second in my course fit model that I put together. You know based on the length, basically yeah. how long he is and his, his par five scoring. So yeah, everything's there uh, apart from just his ability to close. But you know, there's ways around that. Whether it may be a matchup as well. So yeah, I think I think he's a good one to get with. Yeah, I, I you know, Finau's a guy that I'm probably going to have some some money on here in some way, shape, or form. I mean, if it's not in an outright market, I might be looking to get him in a top ten or a top five market, something like that. I, I do like Brad. I think that it is real for him this whole not being able to win thing. I do believe that there is, you know, something that goes on. And now look, a couple of these times, it wasn't necessarily him playing bad. He just got ran down. You know, some of these guys just played better in the, in a final round and were able to win these tournaments. But uh, I, I do think there is something to be in kind of like, this bulldog mentality of being able to go out and just close out a tournament and, and step on the throat of your opponents. And I don't know if Tony has that, but uh, I can still make money off of him, even if he doesn't win this thing outright Um, as we move down and let's call this kind of like the long shots, kind of 50 to one and longer here um, at this tournament. And there's going to be some names that whenever we start talking about this tier, that people are going to say like, Oh wow, that guy's, this 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 type of uh, long shot and that's the answer. Yeah, I mean, listen, Terrell Hatton's fifty to one, Hideki Matsuyama's fifty to one, Jason Day's fifty five to one, Joaquin Neiman's fifty five, Scotty Scheffler's fifty five, Tommy Fleetwood is sixty, Sergio is sixty, 
Adam Scott is 75. Will Zalatoris, a guy who's been incredibly consistent since getting onto the PGA Tours at 75 to 1. Abraham Answer is 80 to 1. Corey Connors, another guy who's been knocking on the door, hasn't really been able to, to, to shut it, but he's been knocking on the door 80 to 1. Horschel coming off the match play win, 90 to 1. Kokrak won at the tournament here in uh, in Las Vegas at 90 to 1. Um, so there are some some interesting names. Homa, as we talked about in that playoff, 100 to 1 here. So, Stephen, as we get into some of these longer shot guys, and again, a lot of a lot of a lot of guys that have had success, not only this season, but have had success even at this tournament here. Any of these guys stand out to you? We mentioned at the top of the pod that I have a 100 to 1 long shot. That's second in my model. It's Max Homa. Over the last 24 rounds, he is second in my model. And, you know, it, this is not a, uh, a causation, but perhaps just a bit of a correlation. It's interesting to me that there have been 13 winners at Riviera who have also won the Masters at least once. So there's that nice little correlation. Um, but just looking at my model and, and why he's popping this week, I mean, third in the field in strokes gained on par fives. Um, he is eighth in the field strokes gained on approach and he's top 20 in strokes gained for short game. So he kind of fits that master's mold to contend. Um, if you take those into account, uh, I have, I have another stat in my model. I put in, um, you know, most of these par fours, I think 10 of them, play between 450 to 500 yards and the ones that don't are only off by you know 10 yards or so um he's done really well on par fours at that yardage so um for what it's worth max homa 100 to 1 this week you know maybe a little bit of a sprinkle but just keep in mind that it is very rare that a long shot wins this tournament Brett, uh, this is your this is where you live. This is where you feast. This is where you are. Uh, this is this is the area that you like to be betting. So, you know, 50 to one or longer. I like I mentioned a ton of names that you and I you and I have bet over the course of the last year. Um, uh, some pretty good some pretty good guys that are in some pretty good form, actually, even that are in this longer tier here as well. Do you have any of these guys on your card right now? You can probably guess one. <laughs> Do you have Jason Day at 55 to 1? I do not. I have Sergio because okay. I'm always on Sergio. Right. And this All course right. especially is a perfect fit for Sergio in his current form at his age. I mean, he's, he hits the ball far. He's 10th in driving distance over his last 50 rounds. Third in strokes gain off the tee over that period. He can score on par fives. The biggest leak really for him has been putting. And as we've laid out, that's the stat we weigh the least because of the volatility. Plus, he knows mm-hmm. these Augusta greens as well as anyone in the field. So he might actually be a plus over that field, uh, over the field in that stat. So I really like Sergio. And uh, that, that's one I definitely want to get in on quickly because I feel like his price will probably drop. Uh, I like Joaquin Neiman, too. I think he goes a bit overlooked compared to some of these other young guns in golf right now. The Morikawas, Hovlins, the, the Matthew Wolfs. Those guys have all won on tour, so it's natural that they're, they're going to get more attention, but our objective is to get in on these young players before they get their first big win. Mm-hmm. And with, with Neiman, it's like, I'm just going to bet this guy to win tournaments until it happens because it's going to happen. He's too talented not to, and he fits pretty well at Augusta. He hits it far. He's fifth in the field in driving distance over his last 50 rounds. He's eighth in ball striking eighth in strokes gain total. This is a great golfer who is only 22 and has not popped off for a big win yet. 
Uh, unlikely to win this week, obviously, but I think he can contend for four days and make. I think he makes for a great top five, top ten bet. Brad, as we start looking at some guys that can uh, make people some real money here, some of these longer shots, some of these guys with these bigger numbers, anything in your account as we sit right now? The one I thought might be worth a look was Dylan Fratelli. So top 10 um, last time they, they played here in November. Um, and he's one that added length. Uh, he was a bit on the Bryson program. Um, and, and so he's he's um, he's top 20 now driving distance in this field. Um, he's very good around the greens. Uh, and I'd say a little bit of course history from last year. Um, so he, he was one at quite a fancy price. I thought might be worth a punt around. About 150, you might be able to get 125, depending on where you look. And when I say that there's 89 golfers in this field, guys, like there's really like 75 golfers in this field, right? I mean, like Sandy Lyle and Jose Maria Lathabal and, and Mike Weir and Vijay Singh, Fred Couples, like no, these these guys are not going to contend. Like these guys are not going to to do anything here. So like even it, it it's a it is a smaller field and it's actually even smaller than the number presents itself because there's a lot of guys that are going to have that have absolutely no chance to make any sort of noise whatsoever when they get going. Um, I'll run through just kind of how my models look here, guys, and then we can kind of discuss. I think there's a couple of other guys that I do want to bring up just and discuss at least at length a little bit here. But uh, over 36 rounds, Rom, DJ, Bryson, Zalatoris, uh, Finau, Sergio actually sixth in my uh, model over the last 36 rounds of um, of the things that I'm looking at. Xander Shoffley, Joaquin Neiman, Justin Thomas, Brooks Kepka are the uh, top 10 for me in 36 rounds and 24 rounds. It goes uh, Bryson now tops the list. Bryson, Rom, DJ, Sergio again, Zalatoris, Kepka, Neiman, Cantlay inside the top 10 at that point. Homa at nine and Xander Shoffley at 10. And when I go to 12 rounds, so I'm looking for guys that have been playing well, really, really recently. Uh, Bryson Zalatoris, Cantlay, Kokrak, another guy that uh, seems to always be in the mix uh, around. Uh, Brooks Kepka, John Rom, Paul Casey uh, comes in up there. Sergio Garcia, Matt Wallace, Tony Finau. So Finau, again, across the board. Rom across the board. Zalatoris across the board, Bryson DeChambeau across the board. Uh, Brett, listen, a lot of uh, as we get closer to this, a lot of people are going to start talking about Bryson, you know, and they're going to talk about his length and they're going to talk about, you know, what can he do at this course to, you know, uh, basically give himself an advantage over the rest of the field and all that. Super short, 11 and a half to one. But um, look, people are going to want to know our opinion on Bryson. So what was what is your opinion on Bryson heading into this week? My opinion is always that he could run away with it, uh, it but he's going to have to play exceptionally well. And you you worry, of course, about his around like his his around the around the green. Uh, mm-hmm. That's that's a huge concern for me. And like Stephen was saying earlier, it's a second shot course, and sometimes he's locked in, and other times he's just awful, just mm-hmm. absolutely awful. And then you got to worry worry about his mental game too. If he's not in it early on. He'll probably miss the cut. So it's one of those things where I'm not, I wouldn't touch him in matchups. I would just bet him to win or nothing or just fade him completely. So Steven, you know, Bryson is one of those guys, I think. um, And I think you've mentioned a little bit ago, but if anybody I think would be 
if anybody I think would be affected by the fact that you can't have the green books, I think I think Bryson's that guy, right? Like like everything he does is with a purpose and every single thing that he does is meticulous and all of that. And, uh, you know, him not having the little book where he's like charted out every single tiny little break and every single everything that's going on. Um, I actually think is, is probably a pretty big negative for him this week. Well, it's certainly bared out in his past performance at Augusta. He's never had a top 20 in four masters. But with that being said, this is the guy near the top of the board that I am afraid of most. Um, mm-hmm. If you look at what he did here in November, he led the field in driving distance and the next closest guy was more than nine yards behind. And he hit 70% of the fairways. Um, the interesting quote I heard was John Rahm talking about Bryson here in November. He said, the trees were stopping his balls and he was kind of par with us. There were a couple of them that were reality checks. Um, so the trees are at issue as opposed to some of these other courses where he's bombed it and been a little wide and there hasn't been as severe consequences. Now, here's why I'm still scared to death of him when I haven't added him to my outright so far. Um, in November, when he did this in, in you know, his past master's performances, um, he was 119th in strokes gained on approach last year. This year, he's 15th in strokes gained on approach. So if he carries that form in with hitting 70% of fairways again this year, I'm very concerned. And he's had two wins since the restart at the U.S. Open and the Arnold Palmer Invitational. He was a T3 at the Players it's hard to have better form right now coming into Augusta than what Bryson has right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm not betting him at his number, but he's the guy I I fear most. Yeah. And I think he's a guy that's going to get a ton of, a ton of people talking about him and like my model loves him as I just mentioned. Um, But I don't think he's going to make my card either. And that's uh, very interesting. Um, Brad is, is, we know we got the uh, the the shorter shot guys from you already, but you know Bryson. Listen, he is a guy that is incredibly controversial. He's a guy that's going to get a bunch of headlines here. He's um, a guy. Whenever we talk about someone as far as just natural skills, could actually go and figure out a way to dismantle this thing. Are you on the? Are you feeling like he has a good performance this week? Not necessarily wins, uh, but do you think he is more likely to have a good performance than a bad performance or, or the other way around? Um, I mean, so I just don't have a strong view on him. I think he's probably fairly priced or, you know, maybe maybe a touch overvalued possibly because of how, you know, how how public he is. Um, and, it, you know, he is box office, isn't he? Everyone loves, everyone loves to watch him yucking it up and fist pumping a drive um 16 rounds around here he's been basically exactly exactly played to his expectation um which is you know he's, he's probably had a, a lot of swings within that but he's actually perfectly average um when you tot it all together yeah i i just i just don't know i'm not sure the irons are consistent enough as as brett said um so yeah i i, I don't have a strong view for or against i'm afraid yeah, I mean, he is in over the last 36 rounds. He is 29th in this field in strokes gained approach. Um, so not horrible, but not 
you know, not great. I mean, you know, he's inside the top 30, but he's not like, you know, he, he's certainly not uh, up in the top 10 or anything like that. I mean, of course, all the other stats are just off the driving distance. We know uh, strokes gained off the tee going to be there. Par five scoring there as well. Um, the around the green stuff, not so great either um, outside of the top 30 as well in the strokes gained around the green. So I think we're all kind of on the same mindset here. We're we're. We're worried that he could go and win this thing, but also none of us are going to uh, be backing him with our bets. Um, Steven, so uh, let's talk about your betting card here, um, what you already have, what you are likely to have. And uh, that's not even uh, necessarily we're talking outrights here. I mean, anything that you're going to be doing, even from a you know a head-to-head perspective, if you're betting any groups, if you're betting any top fives, top tens, top 20s, et cetera. So I'll, I'll start with a couple guys that I added, you know, months ago, um, just for full disclosure that, you know, I probably wouldn't bet at their current number. And Jordan Spieth would absolutely fall into that category. Have Justin Thomas at 18 to one. I uh, have Jordan Spieth at 44 to one. Um, Colin Morikawa at 30 to one. A um, couple of ads this week. I added Webb Simpson at 40 to one and Max Homa at 100 to one. You know, basically my outright strategy is, you know, try and assemble a card up to two units and and try and get at anywhere from eight to ten units payout if one of those hits uh derivatives i'm looking at this week um you know one guy we haven't talked about is sebastian munoz he finished top 20 here in november um i'm seeing really good value uh, just from a numbers standpoint um looking at you know, plus 360 for him to top 20 again, where I think that should probably be around two to one. Um, I like him top 40 at even money. Um, you know, I have him minus 500 to make the cut in this small field, and it's not really much more work to get into the top 40 from there, considering only top 50 and ties mm-hmm. make the cut. So Sebastian Munoz at even money to finish top 40 seems like a pretty good play for me. Um, and then some head-to-head values I like this week. Um, I'm getting Xander Shoffley at plus money against Patrick Cantlay. I can't remember the last time I saw Xander. He's usually the book's favorite player, uh, but I'll take plus money there. Um, and then one more I like, Will Zalatoris minus 150 against Justin Rose. Um, and I'm a little concerned about Justin Rose's form at Augusta. I mean, the guy has been a, a top 25 machine. He's finished there in 10 of his last 11 Masters starts, but... He hasn't played in a while here because of back spasms, so we don't know how healthy he is. If this matchup was on any other course, I would have Zalatoris as at least a minus 500 favorite uh, based on form since the start of the year. Uh, So if you're giving me him at minus 150 with the health concerns for Justin Rose, uh, I'm going to bet that as well. Brett, let's talk your uh, your betting card stuff you already have, stuff you're looking to get in on, and uh, stuff that you're uh, stuff that you may or may not may or may not end up in there by the time this thing tees off on Thursday. I have nothing in my card yet. I'm making a trip down right after I hop off this uh, this podcast. I will be betting Rory at plus nineteen hundred, along with some top fives, top tens. A lot of exposure to Rory this week. I like the Cantlay play. It's plus twenty two hundred. I think he's just such a great fit for this course. Um, Along with Patrick Reed and Hovland in that middle tier, I'm going to bet those are my four to win bets. Uh, I've also got some Sergio top five, uh, Neiman top five, and Zeltoris is another guy I like uh, for a top five, top ten. And then going deep, I like Fratelli and Homa as well. 
I will have some top fives. Uh, sorry, sorry, some top tens, top twenties on them, along with Matt Wallace, who I was eyeing even before this past mm-hmm. week, where he played great at the Valero, and I'm glad he didn't win because we can still get a a decent enough price uh, on him at the Masters. Brad, what does your betting card look like, my friend? Um, so the outrights is Finau and Cantlay so far. Um, in the in the matchup, so so one I'm like, one I'll be looking to back is Carlos Ortiz. Um, you know, just doing a bit of research, reached out to a couple of quite mm. sharp golf betters, and both 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 of them said back Carlos Ortiz. So again, just looking into his numbers, he's very solid across the board. Um, he came in twenty second in my my course model, and he just sort of like thirtieth everything, and then sixteenth on par five. So he's very solid across the board. He's a debutant, so maybe that would be the the market to look at. Uh, you know, top debutant. Um, right. That that might be one way to get with him. Um, and the other one, possibly of interest, Justin Rose. Um, <laughs> I know, uh, I know, I know. Stephen doesn't like him, but again, I think if we if we know he's going to play all four rounds, he he was contending at the Arnold Palmer before he withdrew with that back injury. You know, he was showing flashes of his of his old form. And the key is, you know, fifty four rounds around here. Justin Rose, Randall Augusta, and he's gained 2.25 strokes per round. Like that is that is basically the best course form in the field, uh, very very consistent. So it's, it's it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a punt that he is healthy. But if he is healthy, then I, I think he could go quite well. Yeah, for me, like I said, I have a Vic Hovland ticket right now. I have a Colin Morikawa ticket right now. Um, the others that are in my account right now, uh, this is just more following my model than it is anything else. But I do have a ticket on uh, Kokrak at uh, nearly 100 to 1. This is a guy that, for whatever reason, is inside the top 20 in all of the versions of the model that I ran and all the things that I find important, he tends to do well uh, in the things that I'm really looking at here in this. I mean, you know, the guy is inside the top 20 in, in, in driving distance inside the top 20 strokes gained off the tee inside the top 20 in uh, strokes gained par five. He's uh, really good at three putt avoidance. He, you know, there's a lot of things that I'm, I'm looking for that Kokrak does well. I'm getting nearly hundred to one on him. So uh, I like him a lot as well. Um, the other, the other things that I'm really looking at here, guys, like I have, I have Tony Finau over Lee Westwood in a head to head. I have, um, there was another that was really standing out to me in the Justin Thomas over Jordan Spieth because those that, you know, again, Justin Thomas should be a massive favorite in that. But because of Spieth's little heater here lately, he is uh, you're getting a really good number on that as well. So I really like that one. If you can go after and get that one. Another one that I know, uh, Brett, you probably will bet uh, Sergio Garcia over Louis Oosthuizen. Um, I have that in a head to head as well. Another one that I think is just mispriced. I think Sergio should be a much bigger favorite over over Usti than he is. Um, so really do like that one. I like Zalatoris over Justin Rose in a head to head. I have that one in the account currently. And then the only other one I have in the account, um, I have, it's a fate of Matt Wolf. I just don't remember who it's against right now, but, um, basically Matthew Wolf has not been able to figure anything out for a very long time. And so I, I've faded him in head to head. It's going to be doing that. And I'll fade, like I said, I'll be fading Rory. So, um, you know, 
I think there'll be Rom versus Rory out there. There'll be DJ versus Rory out there. There'll be JT versus Rory available out there. All of those I'll be going um, against Rory. Versus Rory. Give me Coke Rack versus Rory. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what? You know what? Give me uh, give me plus 150 and I'll give you I'll, I'll, I'll take it. We'll have to look at that. Um, all right, guys. So let's uh, let's wrap this thing up here. Steven, not who's be- not betting wise, not anything like that. Who wins this tournament whenever we are uh, podcasting next week? Whenever when we're reviewing this, who is going to be the dude that has worn the green jacket? I think Justin Thomas breaks through. He was top five here recently. He is the best iron player on the planet. I think the only issue he had other than grieving his grandfather in terms of physically was his driver earlier this year. He straightened that out. Um, I, I think this is Justin Thomas's time. Brad, when all when everything is said and done, who is slipping on the green jacket? He's slipping it on very, very slowly because it's Patrick Cantlay. Oh, he is. Uh, I, he is backed up. He is backed it up with a bet as well. I like that. And Brett, who's who's going to win this thing? Bryson. Really? You just got that feeling, huh? Yeah. 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 That's who I, that's who I think would look, at, at this price. I don't love him at this price, but I think he has the best chance to win this tournament. So it's same with me. Um, I don't like Rom at 12 to one. It's going to be hard for me to pull the trigger on it, but I really, uh, I really like John Rom. really like everything about his game. Uh, model loves him. Course fit tool loves it. Like everything loves John Rom here. And I think this is one where he finally uh, puts four rounds together and goes ahead and, and takes this thing down. You buying you buying the baby swag. Yeah. How do, you know, how, do we, how do we feel about that baby swag narrative? I never know how to approach that with new dads. Like, well, are they relieved? That the kid is out and they're more focused on golf now, uh, or is he like lacking sleep? Sleep because of dad, because of dad life. Like I, I don't no. know what to do with Rom. No, he's not lacking sleep. <laughs> he's got a full time live in nanny and you know. I mean, come on. I object to that as a father of a three month old. Uh, he better <laughs> he better spend that money on a nanny if he wants to win this week. That's all I'm saying. And he better spend the first two days this week after what I'm sure was a whirlwind delivery of finding an Airbnb in the Augusta <laughs> area and sleeping as much as humanly possible. I'm I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with it that it's a positive here, and so uh, I'm gonna take John Rom to win the whole thing. But again, I don't think I'm gonna I don't think I'm gonna pull it the trigger at twelve to one. Hopefully, it'll be one of these other guys that actually gets it done. Uh, guys, as always, everything written breakdown over at the lines over at Play Picks. So be sure and go and check all of those out for Brad, for Stephen, for Brett. I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week.